0: I cannot make everybody else as rapid as myself, Alexander Hamilton once said. Uh Uh-oh, is this a Hamilton podcast? No, it's not. It's a podcast about rapidity, speed, velocity. Don't worry, I'm going to explain in a second. I always do, don't I? I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out
1: summer sky, she blew so far and wide, this fleeting time, is like a rising tide.
0: That is the music of Blessin' Roy, a band which features my guest today on the program, Terry Borden. Let me tell you a little bit about Blessin' Roy and Terry Borden. Before I get to that, I want to get back to the rapidity that I referenced a few seconds ago. So the song I just played is called Stays With You, and it's from the new Blessin' Roy album Think Like Spring. And that's like half the song right there, clocking in at just under two minutes stays with you perfectly exemplifies what terry borden does best and that is craft great pop songs that take no time at all to lift off and trust me all of them do the la raised borden grew up in the 80s loving punk rock but also loving all that great stuff from the uk that could be found on 4ad or creation or rough trade he played in pete yorn's band and he was a member of the legendary slowcore outfit idaho His debut album as Blessin' Roy has the perfect title in Think Like Spring. After all, the record is about renewal, regeneration, and revival. A dreamy blast of layered melodies, textured choruses, and mesmerizing soundscapes. Think Like Spring is emotional, thoughtful, and vulnerable, and it soars mightily away with the kind of muscle and grace that brings to mind everything from the Cocteau Twins to Ride. The songs and the creation of the recordings, Borden says, felt like a warm place in a cold and dangerous world. Well, the world is a warmer place thanks to this album, and Terry is a warm and friendly guy. We hit it off immediately, and I think you will too. Here's my chat with Terry Borden of Blessin' Roy, right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. Bye.
2: yeah that's right I'm living here now um, working here it's a long story but I've been here about ten years originally I was um, you know born and raised in LA and lived there you know most of my adult life a few years in England and then ended up coming here in a relationship and the relationship ended but my time here hasn't
0: yeah but. you're still there
2: <laughs> I'm still here um, it's been really interesting. I've traveled to forty countries since I've lived here. So as a jumping-off point before the, you know, before the pandemic, as a jumping-off point into Asia and India and Africa and Europe, it's it's very central. Um, but it's yeah. um, you know obviously different than living in LA.
0: Was the traveling part part of like work or just for you for your own?
2: Yeah, both. Some of it was work related. And then it was um, just the opportunity to, um, to go to so many places, um, you know, kind of five or six hours in any direction, and you're really somewhere completely different in LA. I mean, it would be quite, uh, quite a big trip, or an exotic trip to go to Thailand, you know, for the weekend, or, you know, to go... To these places that i've morocco or you know some of the different places so it, it was um there's some disadvantages um you know being here uh, culturally i would say from coming from la and really being into the music and art scene in la and coming here it's a bit um it's more of a commercial city but that was the um, upside was the the um, opportunity to travel to so many places, I wouldn't have normally gone.
0: Do you feel a kind of, because uh, we're both we're both Native Californians, I'm from up yeah. here uh, and yeah. up here, I'm from Berkeley, um, yeah. from East Bay, you're from uh-huh. down south. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a kind of, I don't want to say a homesickness, but is there a kind of longing for that Southern California culture that you're so used to? Or do you feel that you, you're doing without it just fine?
2: No, I mean, it comes and goes in waves. Um, I didn't intend on staying here this long, so it just kind of was uh, the way it worked out. But yeah, it comes and goes. You get homesick. I've i been back to LA a few times, and uh, but that kind of fades. I'm kind of a, a not a very backward-looking person when it comes to wanting to keep things interesting. So um, I just kind of just uh, dug right in and... and kind of looked at what was in front of me here and the other places I could travel to. And my wife is from Austria, so she's her family's in Europe. And so I I've done a lot of um exploring in Europe. I, I you know, wasn't really doing from LA, you
0: know. Well you and I are are around the same age and I and I find that mm-hmm. the the idea of like the rear view mirror for me is has been necessarily smashed.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> right?
0: like it feel looking back doesn't feel like the like the healthiest thing to do
2: yeah no i agree i, I mean that's definitely true <laughs> you know as a as a sort of life lesson um yeah. because i mean you know by nature I can be nostalgic and and all that that stuff like we all can, but it really yeah it's really more um it's more of a positive approach to life too. Keep aiming forward, and you know, learning lessons from the past, but not glorifying it or getting too nostalgic about it. But you know, I, I don't know if it even still exists. I don't, uh, you know, I came up in LA during the '70s and '80s and '90s, and was certainly kind of in the moment in a lot of that punk culture and surf culture, and just what uh, you know, downtown LA and the art scene so i didn't really uh that was kind of happening in the moment but i don't think a lot of it really is still there so no there's not really anything to pine over you know it's you know the memories are there and some some great friends obviously
0: yeah it's sort of alive in your heart were were you sort of were you like a black flag SST records guy did that stuff resonate with you or were you more like the germs and That punk stuff like what what part of the punk scene spoke to you because there were so many different little pockets. Yeah
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, there was one summer I went to a high school called westchester high. So we were right there um, Near santa monica and inglewood and you know, so we we were a very um, integrated school So we had a lot of different influences going on the you know, the la punk scene with wasted youth TSOL. Black Flag, suicidal tendencies was a big thing. I was attracted to it in a sense, and I loved all that stuff and listened to KXLU and and almost forced myself to listen to a lot of it because I was, you know, I was also drawn to all the post-punk stuff that was coming out of England, which was kind of another subculture in LA. So, you know, uh, all the Joy Division and Cure and when the Smiths came along and Echo and the Bunnymen, that stuff had a huge impact on me as well. So that was all going on, and we were all kind of mixing and matching that. We would go to punk gigs, and then we would also go up to you know the Hollywood Palladium or the Palace or Fenders to see the Jam or the Smiths or the Bunnymen and all that stuff. So it was all kind of mish, mishmashing. I would say musically, I you know I thought the um, the English stuff and the 4AD and, and Creation and Rough Trade and those labels. I, musically kind of appealed to me a bit more but i i definitely liked the culture and the energy of the american punk and what was happening on the west coast of course where you're from the dead kennedys and yeah you know that was that was all it was amazing it was all good it was all good there wasn't there was a little bit of um you know um dogma attached to each scene but i i skipped through all of it i i liked it i liked it all you know
0: yeah I mean there really was um a, a scene based on the region you were in. I mean there was a yeah. San Francisco scene, there was a yep. Boston scene and yep. these bands these pockets of bands would you know you could you can name these clusters of bands from these from these cities and like I can't do that anymore.
2: Um No. Which is weird. And it was you know, yeah it was about clubs. I mean we had record stores where there was Errands or um you know rhino we had record stores and then there were clubs you know and then spaceland came along and kind of took it took it up another notch but there were the you know the clubs in hollywood and those bands were circulating through there and then there were bands coming through from other cities but it yeah it it was all you had your you know your thrift shops with your clothes you had the record stores and you had the clubs and then you had the local scene and then kind of the other scene that was orbiting, making a bigger orbit. So it was, there was, yeah, there was plenty of that subculture was well-developed and you would meet like-minded people from different parts of LA and the Valley. And then we would go to San Diego, we'd go to San Francisco, travel up and down the coast to follow bands too. So there was, you know, Santa Barbara or whatever. There was, yeah, California had its separate scenes, but then it, it had a big scene. It was, it was really, looking back on it now, it was pretty amazing to think you, you know, there was, it was never boring. You know, there was always something.
0: No. And it, and it also, to be honest, it also felt like a river that would never dry up, you know, um, that would never stop running. And I think I, maybe, maybe now in the time of the pandemic and, um, the way the world has changed, um, I always just assumed that stuff would just always be there. So I kind yeah. of took it for granted, um, but it, it really, you know, Terry, it's not there anymore because obviously there, you know, yeah. all those clubs you're talking about, um, I can name five in San Francisco that closed last month. Yeah. Um, so with the clubs closing, and so it's it's a really interesting and scary time for a musician. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. At least, I mean, in those days, like Echo and the Bunnymen, those guys were full-time musicians, right? And now, well, yeah. what do you do? I mean, how can you? Well, make- it
2: was more valued. I, I mean, I just don't, I, well, I guess because of the internet, those communities are people that follow that kind of independent music. Those communities are large, I guess, in a, on a A world scale, but yeah, just the local scenes. I don't think um, I I just don't think that music. Was valued by the music industry enough and you know everything went that way of commercialism and kind of what those bands were predicting was happening and I I don't I know there's always going to be some kids out there that are going to You know uh, dig deeper for things that have more meaning but it was kind of the norm in our high school. You kind of were either punk or new wave or, you know, or, or a lot of the dance and hip hop when, when NWA came out and the Beastie Boys, but it was all substantial. It was all music of substance and you could kind of find your, your groove as far as the sound went, but it all, it all was substantial. And I don't, uh, substantial music just, I don't know that people can make a living um making substantial music some a few people managed to do it but it certainly it was it's not like it was no
0: do you you keep your eye on new music i mean are you sort of is it one of those things where like or or do you find yourself going back and listening to the same stuff that you have listened to for years or or are you sort of searching out new stuff
2: i don't i you know i thought maybe you'd ask me that actually (laughs) i was thinking (laughs) i don't i don't i i'm I'm pretty nostalgic on that front. I mean, yeah. if something comes along. I like the Tame Impala records and Beach House and the, you know there's things that come along that kind of I bump into on Spotify or whatever. And then I listen to them and get into them. But um I tend to kind of just go back. I was listening to sugar all week, you know, yeah. and you know uh, um So No, I think I just kind of go back and listen to stuff I've always loved and then I get bored with that and but new things come through new things come through. I mean, that's um, Some of the streaming platforms as evil as they are, are kind of give you such instant access to things. Sometimes I just listen to these Playlists that are pre, you know, pre made and find new things there, but I'm not No, I'm not like I was back then so you know i don't music for me now is i do my own music kind of for fun and but it's you know it's um it's polished enough or, or at least i know i have enough tricks where okay it's you know maybe it'd be nice if a few people heard it too but i'm not at all um super ambitious about it or anything like that
0: you remember walking into a record store at 16 and going, I want all of this shit. <laughs> yeah. want everything.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was exciting. I mean, there's a lot of social dynamics happening in those record stores between the, you know, grumpy, um, the grumpy people that work there and wanting to earn their respect and, you know, wanting to, um, wanting to reinforce your own beliefs about what was good and what was happening. and yeah, it was, it was all important. All of that was great.
0: Yeah. Tell me a little bit now that you, the way that you framed your own art, you know, and your own creativity. Do you feel that there is less pressure because you're not, this is not, do you know what I mean? Like you're not, you're not relying on a paycheck with the music right now. Do you feel you can swing in ways that you wouldn't feel free to swing were it differently arranged?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's less pressure on it. I don't know that I'm being any more experimental or anything. I mean, maybe um, Back when we were, you know, signed to indie labels and making records, there was kind of uh, almost an inverted snobbery, you know, trying to be as original as possible. I'm kind of just doing, you know, songs that I've written over the years and then writing new songs and producing them uh, with what I know, you know, about how to, um, kind of achieve the emotional, the emotional, um, identity for the song. So it's less pressure, but it doesn't make me more experimental. I think I'm doing, I'm not doing anything super radical sonically. I'm just, um, trying to record the songs in a way that they come across, um, with some complexity and some impact emotionally. So yeah, there's no pressure, but um, I think I'm maybe doing stuff that's even more, um, you know, accessible than I was doing in the past. Funny enough, how that's worked.
0: The new single that we we previewed at the magazine, it's not even two minutes long and it gets so much done (laughs) in in under two minutes. I mean, it is a remarkable song and We'll play it. We'll play it in the middle of this interview. Um, okay. In just under two minutes, it's one of the most infectious songs I've heard in years. Wow. were you, nice. were you aware that like you had in, in this very compressed amount of time sort of captured something really special?
2: Well, I don't know. I, you know, I, that's nice to hear that. I don't think, I mean, one, one of the advantages I have now with the music is I, I really take a, 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 I take a long time to do these. So I listen to them a lot and I'll take things out and put things in. And if I don't really like a part, I, you know, I can make that decision over a week or two weeks. So I'm not, that's another thing. And when we used to, when I worked with bands and and worked in studios that, you know, there was such a restraint, all the layers of people you have to get through to To kind of try an idea and then if it gets voted down or voted up and and then your time is up, you know. So with this, I think part of the reason it's coming out, you know, good is I don't, I'm doing it completely on my own. You know, I work with drummers, you know, great drummers who are friends and have studios and, but I kind of write the drum parts and then I have them perform them and record them. And I take those, those um, files back in, and then I overdub things and move things around. But I'm—it's, yeah—I kind of until I think like, okay, that's enough. It's good, you know. Anything more would be overdoing it. I, I, I take a pretty long time in the process, and I think that's what gives it that. If I if I do find something's working, I will really go in there and make sure it works the best it can.
0: better now at knowing when something's done or have you have you become more efficient at sort of saying like okay I think that's that is exactly what I wanted I feel good about that and then if you do feel that way do you revisit it in two weeks and go oh boy was I ever wrong I need to change that thing over there
2: no I think you're right I think um, I'm a slow learner in general so (laughs) I think there's something that's changed you know, there's some, I don't know if it's the lack of pressure on the process or it's the lack of second guessing what other people will think about it. Or if it's original enough, I've kind of don't have any of those, um, concerns anymore. And maybe some people never have them and they're just, you know, secure in what they're doing. But I, I went through a lot of pain over creating music in the past, but now I don't, I don't really have any of those. Insecurities about it, you know. So I, th- I guess that in a way, um, makes it a lot easier to get to what I'm trying to get to and move on.
0: When you talk about the pain that you that you took to create that stuff, I, I know what you mean. That sort of meticulous, mm-hmm. the high pressure thing you're talking yeah. about. What is, what is removed from the process now that that's not happening? In other words, like what what was it doing to you? creatively to, to put yourself in that kind of compressed space? Was it making you like um was it draining you emotionally as well as Yeah,
2: well I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't I can't think about it on that level and come up with an honest answer. But I, I know that collaborating with other people has its um pluses, its pros and its cons. So I I mean I in a lot of situations when it was Idaho or or Pete Yorn or different people. I played with that were, had some level of um, attention. You know, I, I was playing bass or playing guitar and, you know, it's kind of, this is my turn. This is, and I always poured everything into it that I could, but I had a lot more to offer maybe that I, in these situations, you know, I wasn't getting to, to, you know, express a lot of the, um, a lot of the musical, the musical ideas that were kicking around. So I, the difference is not working with anybody else, I guess, <laughs> you know, that right. <laughs> that kind of helps. I mean, like I said, it's I've had some magical collaborations, some that made records and some that didn't. And those were fantastic, but it's a relationship and like relationships have, a lot of dynamics and ups and downs and you got to compromise maybe you have to compromise more and you create something together that ha- you know the sum of the parts is greater than the whole that definitely has a wonderful um a wonderful thing about it but working completely alone it has another it's um yeah i can do anything i want and i can take as much time as i want and you know i can kind of already have an intuition about what's going to work. And I can take my time to find that and in collaborative things. I don't, it doesn't work like that as much.
0: I mean, collaboration is hard and it, and it's also, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I'm, and there's ego where if someone gives you a no, it feels like a, like a personal attack and (laughs) right.
2: Yeah, Yeah, There's all that stuff
0: i mean what so what do you do so you you create a song and when you feel it's ready do you play it for your wife do you and and, oh yeah okay
2: yeah yeah i'm i'm excited about the music i listen to it a lot you know i'm not going to um, sit here and say be so cool and say i don't you know really enjoy it i kind of create it for myself and record it for myself and you know i work with a mix engineer and we work together and we're very excited about it and I play things for Julia my wife and um, for my son and for friends and you know I do um, yeah absolutely I mean I like it I think it's um, I'm very you know I'm proud of the way it's coming out it's hard you know you make music it's it's hard to you know to tell sometimes to be objective about it and you know, is it, you know, is it as good as I think it is? Is it not do other people like it? All that stuff, you know, is it's always there, but I don't pay attention to it too much. I think I I just enjoy making it. And I was content to just do it for myself. And, and then I, you know, a few people encouraged me to, to uh, put it out there and I was happy to, you know have an audience of any size, you know but I do get a lot of positive feedback about it so i'm happy that i've kind of circled back to doing music and yeah it's a really great experience
0: in terms of like you know introducing your your son to music is that something Uh do you guys i'm not sure how old he is but do you guys play together do you
2: yeah he plays guitar and he's really good and we jam together and he's got his own band and his own thing and i try and you know help him he was growing up while i was playing in bands and touring and So he was around it all the time. And he's got a very pure approach about it, though. It's not, you know, it's not a lifeboat for him. And he's not driven to do anything more than play for himself. So he's the ultimate artist, you know. Right. It's not, (laughs) you know, he's, I always, for me, it was from the first time I got into music, it was like, I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to play all the time. I wanted, you know, I was driven about it so he's much more he really does it just for himself and so he's he's good he's good really good guitar player
0: when you made the the adjustment of you know that <clears throat> the, the, this won't be my vocation right like mm-hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna shift from this into another gig was yeah. that, that a, was that hard to do was that a hard adjustment
2: yeah i mean that's just um i don't know how that all happened um i i could have kept going probably and playing and being a sideman in bands and i had offers to do that but i toured a lot in my 20s and through my 30s and my son was going into high school and i just thought i don't want to tour anymore and um so i stopped doing that but i didn't want to work a regular job either so i ended up you know um working in the music industry and then doing music projects, but keeping bands together and all that stuff just became very difficult. So I didn't want to play for anybody else, but I didn't, playing with people were really good um, and keeping them going without anything really happening or, you know, um, was difficult. I played in a couple of other things later on that had some legs and, and had some really great, musical ideas, but I could already tell that, um, I I didn't want to get in the van and do that anymore. So, you know, I just kind of went in another direction, um, you know, work-wise and didn't really play music all that much. And here and there for the last, you know, since I've been here probably. And then all of a sudden I just thought, yeah, I'm just going to do it again. And I just started buying equipment and guitars. And I'm in my studio. You can see I have a bunch of guitars. Yeah, and... Let's
0: see that. Oh, that's a nice setup.
2: Yeah, it's good. It's that's there. cool. And
0: then Look there's at that. a bunch of guitars here. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. You've you've definitely, uh, you're back. <laughs> yeah,
2: I guess so. You know, and I, I don't know. I'm just doing you know. The, the industry's changed and, you know, it's a good thing I do make a living at something else because I wouldn't want to be at my age in this position um, trying to make music the only, you know, the only thing, the only source of income to to get crass. So it's, it's good. I have a lot of songs. I, I'm writing. I feel like I'm writing better than I ever did and I feel like I know how to get them recorded and... And it's really been, uh, I guess for the last two years, I just haven't stopped when I'm not working or doing family stuff, I'm doing music. So in that sense, I live a pretty, uh, pretty simple life and a pretty clean life, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, this show is, is, I know we started off by talking about the past and this show was really all about what's happening right now and what do you think will happen tomorrow creatively um but i want to ask you i want to go back just a tiny um, bit i'm very curious to know a lot of people who listen to the program are are aspiring musicians and yep. to hear you say you put it down is kind of interesting mm-hmm. to me um yeah. so i'm really curious to know if a if it if you missed it and if you thought about it or if you tried not to think about it and then b when you picked it up again were you like oh fuck, thank god i'm doing this again
2: yeah i think all of the above i i you know, it's, um, there's a light that never goes out. I mean, it's a flame. I, I was talking to one friend who is a paint, who's a great painter about that, you know, being burned out on it and being around the music industry too. There's a lot of, a lot of things that can burn you out, um, about the music business and takes away the kind of the soul of playing music, but it's like a flame that's in you. And if it's in you, it's in you. And, um, I went to London a few years back and saw some friends that were playing there who I'd played with. And I said, Oh, you know, you're still doing it. And you know, one of my friends was like, you'll be doing it again because it's in you, you know, it's real strong in you. So it's not something you're ever going to really leave. So um, I always played and, and wrote a bit, but I just didn't. Yeah. I didn't feel I had the energy or the willpower to approach it on a professional level um, and then the music has kind of been the thing these recordings have been the fuel to be a little bit more serious about it because they've come out good enough that people are like hey this is you know this is this is good enough to to kind of put out there so you should do it So, so i, I guess that's good the fuel the ambition has come from the music really not from. Yeah me uh, but yeah I, I think uh if it's in you, it's in you, I don't really think that ever changes, and you'll have to find a, a way to deal with that one way or another and make peace with it and I've made peace with it now that I'm doing it again it but it yeah, it was um it gnaws at you a bit when you've been so when your whole life has been music since you're you know, 10 or 11, you've been playing in bands and then you decide you, you don't wanna do it. Uh, but there was no, you know, I'm never gonna do this again. It just kind of drifted that way and you drift further away from it. I think naturally, if you just kind of let it go, it drifts away.
0: Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like, and I think men are probably guiltier of this than women. Um, where like there's a there's a, a friend of yours, like a dude that you've known your whole life, and then you don't talk to him for 10 years for not for <laughs> yeah. any not for any reason. You just don't talk. Yeah. To him. And then he shows up again and you're like, This is great. Why did we not talk for 10 years? That, yeah, it feels like the in relationship with you, right.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. I, and it's true with people as well. I know I mean the people that have kind of orbited back into my life or we've into each other's lives, um more people around music and and it's not like there's been this big amount of time between that now we're just kind of back talking about music and i'm following what they're doing and they're following what i'm doing and so um yeah time time passes but a lot of things stay the same Uh, you know some things change but some things just stay the same yeah, especially I was... with those relationships and you make around music and those things where the, the bond is so intense and emotional and spiritual or however you want to describe it those relationships can really you cannot see people or interact with them for 10 15 20 years and and then you're right back you know you can communicate on that level that's the kind of bonds you make through music i think they're very strong and complex and people really get to know you for you know, your true essence and you get to know them pretty deeply and people don't change all that much. So hopefully they get better.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you if you had maintained a lot of your friendships from the music industry and it sounds like you have. Yeah,
2: I don't know, maintain them. I haven't maintained them too well, but we're, it's like that. We don't have to um, be in contact all the time to still be close. Like you said, because we, we shared so many intense times together. And, you know, when you tour with people and you, you share a room with people for years on end, you know, you get to know each other on a level that I don't think there's always somewhere you can connect unless somebody completely changes, you know. I try to be a better friend now. I think back then um, I probably could have been a much better friend or maintained relationships better I was kind of focused on music and all that stuff so much. It didn't, it it was more of a, I didn't think maybe there wasn't as much of a need for that sort of thing as when you get older and you really want to be close to people again and appreciate them more, you know, rather than just be around each other and everybody moving in different directions. It's kind of like, oh, you know, I really want to appreciate these people a bit more now,
0: yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot, Terry. It's funny you say that i've been I've been trying to actively be a better friend, yeah <laughs> um, because I think that i i mean I don't think that I've ever purposely been an asshole, but maybe yeah. I have been neglectful of certain yeah. things N- th- not yeah. not intending to be, but I think I think being a good friend is something that actually requires you to to be working on it every day and, and to be yeah. thinking about other people. And I think sometimes we, when we're younger, we're so distracted by our own impulses, you know, where it's like yeah, yeah, girls yeah. and art. And I mean, like what else is there? Um, yeah, yeah. So so we could, so anyway, there, there's deficiencies that come from being a friend, being that young. But yeah, I know what you mean, being older and trying to be a better friend. How's that going? Because I'm, I'm actively working on that.
2: Uh, I think it's good. I mean, I mean, there's some people, uh, musicians in general, are, you know, are kind of solitary in a way anyway, but um, I think it's good. Um, I'm physically, I'm away from everybody. So yeah. it's that's that adds another, you know, kind of complication, but we communicate and I think um, Yeah, I just try to maybe listen a bit more and 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 find out what people are up to and you know i'm genuinely interested and and want to be more supportive of what people are doing now they're older and people have families and um yeah it's different when you're young we would all get together to hang out and party and you know it was a different kind of energy so it was pretty easy to be a shitty friend and still have a lot of friends back then. <laughs> so now it's better to kind of have less friends maybe, but try to value, I think just valuing other people. I, you know, I've circled back with some people that I really didn't give a fair shake to. So, um, now I, you know, I realized that oh, that was, I missed that. I missed that opportunity, but now I can, you know, do it better. And these people are still great. And there's still a lot to learn from everyone. So, I think it's working. It's just that as you get older, I think maybe it, you, you know, you mellow out a bit and you,
0: you wanna stop
2: and smell the flowers and appreciate people a bit more.
0: I know this is sort of that, that you know, that moment where we understand exactly what ooh la meant. You know, I mean, it's like, I know, yeah, right. yeah. I get it. You know, I, I do, I've been sort of faced with that a lot where it's like, oh yeah, okay, now I understand. Um, But sometimes I think when you're younger, you're sort of like, I kind of think of youth as like a hose without a nozzle on it, turned all the way up, whipping its way across the world. Um, And then now I feel that there's so much more control to my personality, to the way I am with people. Um, And it's easier to be a person now than it was when I was 21.
2: Yeah, I could say the same thing about myself. And it's not like that for everybody who's young. I mean, no. The, you know, people kind of have their their place on the stage of life and there's different personalities and some people were, were always kind of solid, even when they were young. I can appreciate some friends I had now that were, you know, were just really good all the time. And, um, you know, but everybody had their different ways of dealing with whatever growing up was, whatever it meant to them and whatever had formed them. Um but hopefully, as you age, you can, you know, you get a self-knowledge, and you you try to um, nurture your good your good sides, and try to um, control, you know, whatever the dark side is, or whatever pain it is that you carry, you know.
0: I want people to know that the studio that you showed me that you've assembled, you have several instruments in there. It's not just mm-hmm. bass guitars. It's not just one thing. Is there, a, have you always been a multi-instrumentalist or have you picked up new stuff along the way?
2: Well, no, I mean, well, I started on drums. I, I kind of had a natural ability to play drums from when I was little and they would put me up at wedding recitals as a kind of a little freak who could play the drums, you know, like little Desi Arnaz Jr. or something. So I, I think I have, a, I just have a knack for instruments, but you know, guitar and bass, are my main things and then um keyboards i just kind of pick up and but i think i'm i'm okay at finding whatever emotional state you know i want to communicate i think i'm pretty good at if i'm i can take an instrument and kind of find my way to that mood i wouldn't i'm not a you know a trained musician or um or you know know music properly but i'm pretty good at creating moods and feels and things with instruments
0: yeah and the textures on this record are, are they're incredible how you yeah. I mean I talked about the economy of time I don't know how you're packing it all in into in such a small dose of time and a song but also the 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 textures the nuances the it, it's such a rich um, um, offering that it really, I mean, it's like a deep deep dive. Like, sonically, it feels like a really, like, you're really, when I listen to your stuff, it's you really are going somewhere. You're transported somewhere. Um, It's this kind of swirling um, blend of, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of like My Bloody Valentine, but not as discordant, Mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, And that sort of the magical swirling kind of thing uh, of of like the Cocteau Twins. that's my. That's as eloquent as I'm getting. The magical swirling thing of the Cocteau Twins, Terry. Um, but I you know love what the maybe, I mean. Twins I love twins. them too. But but there's there's a mystique to what you're doing, and I really, it's interesting to hear you say that you're at peace because it's. Um, I like the sound of you at peace. It's really, it's really, it's an interesting listen.
2: Wow, man. Well, that's um, that's those are all very very um, wonderful things to hear someone say of your caliber about this music. So I really, really appreciate that. And um, yeah, I think that's the kind of stuff I was so drawn to growing up. Cocktail Twins and Buddyman and The Smiths. And it was always, um, you know, how do they combine all those sounds and and instruments to create such a overwhelming mood. Yeah. And, you know, an an emotional, um, you know, such a specific emotional power. So um I think that's what I aim for and if I, you know if that if it comes close to that then that's that's uh, really makes me feel pleased because um that's what I want to do with music. So I'm glad you know that you're feeling that that's happening. It's cool.
0: Yeah, it's it's like for example like when I'm writing cuz I'm, I'm a writer and I'm working on something mm-hmm. new now and the hardest part for me is when I have to go to my job, right? Or I have to go, mm-hmm. I have to leave the that sort of creative place to go do necessary life things. Um, and for you, the, the world that you've created is so mysterious and magical and dark and intense and um, mesmerizing. How is it for you when it's sort of like, you know, I gotta go, I have to go tend to my family. I have to go be a yeah. husband. I have to go be a is it a hard place to leave? And is it a hard place to get back into?
2: Oh, that's interesting. Um, That's a really interesting question. I think for me, it's it's kind of like having a split personality. I really, it's not a hard place to leave or come back into. It just, uh, it's kind of a, a little universe I've created Um, and I've recorded in a lot of different places. I've moved this equipment around and set it up in a few different rooms and none of that seems to affect it. Um, And I'll work at it for two or three hours a night and you know, I'll I'll walk out of that and listen to it a lot in the car and decide what I'm gonna do next with it and kind of map it out that way. Um, And some of the ideas will come while I'm really kind of analyzing it. And some come here when I, while I'm recording it. But um, yeah, I guess sometimes I get a Jones for it. If I stay away from it too long, then I, I, I come back and I start working on it again. But uh, something I just come in and out of, and it doesn't, I kind of shut the door and now I'm in my other life. I'm not really, um, you know, feeling like I'm leaving it behind or, coming in. I don't, you know, I don't feel like, Oh God, I have to go do something else now. It's just, it's here and I'm doing it and it's taking on a, it's got a life of its own now. And I just keep recording when I have time. And, um, to be able to do that, you you know, you can get a lot, you can get a lot done if you're just chipping away at it in a pretty steady fashion. You know, I've already got another record almost done. So wow. yeah, I just kind of finished the other one and we did the mixing and we did the mastering and got that all kind of rolling and I just started another one. And that's already 10 songs deep into the wow. next one. And I think it's a, you know, I feel like it's, I'm trying to step, make some steps forward each time with, you know, with what I'm, what I'm doing. So yeah, I don't know, it doesn't, uh, it's here and I, I come in and out of it. Like, it's like a room it's like a room in your house that you love and but you don't need to be there all the time, you know?
0: Yeah, and it sounds like it's become like sort of a daily practice, even if it's just mm-hmm. a little bit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it if I get into it, it can turn into an all nighter. If right. you know, but there's always something going on. You know, I might just dabble. I might think, Oh, I need to you know, I wanna do a really cool analog synth thing or and then spend an hour or two on that, or I might get really deep into it and then decide I've got to do all the guitars over, you know, the parts good, but the sounds aren't right. So I might do a lot of kind of maintenance and restructuring work or, you know, all right, you know, putting the drums together. That's, I can do that anywhere. I just put headphones on with my laptop and I put the sketch together for the song and then have the, the drum ideas together before I send them. To to my friend John O'Reilly, who's an incredible drummer in um, Pennsylvania. He has a studio called boom crash studios. So before I, so I you know, it's just relaxing. It, I don't know. It's just very, it's my form of meditation. It, it's, I find it really gratifying and relaxing and um, You know, I don't know if i can even describe it you know what i mean you know, i do you just you, you kind of get in that you tap into it and it, it just takes you there and it's just you feel like you're really i don't know if the word's happy but you'd feel you know you're in a space you belong and you're doing something good you know
0: yeah like i wrote i th- i'm working on a new novel i wrote a thousand mm-hmm. words on saturday and i wrote 200 words yesterday both great mm-hmm. days, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. both great yeah. days. I mean, I, I'm not going to finish the book in one day. So it's sort of like you just, like you said, like chip away at it. And I, mean, I would have loved to have yeah. written a thousand words yesterday, but, but it's okay if you just do a little bit and yeah, you towards something. Right.
2: Yeah. I think, um, that's a difference too. If you're really doing it, maybe that's what you learn as you get older too, is not forcing things and, you know, not, not have you know not having to do it you know it's not life or death it's kind of you know you don't have to get it all out at once it's there you can tap into it and you do it when you can and you know
0: well keep doing it man because <laughs> i love it and like i you know it's funny i i listen to um uh the name of the single is, is escaping me right now what's the, the song under two minutes it's called uh
2: stays with you is that i think that's the one you like yeah stays that's with you stays you.
0: right right mm-hmm. and that to me it was so funny like i thought that could be on my radio show in between the chameleons <laughs> mm-hmm. well, <that laughs> right the chameleons. Yeah. love the chameleons too like right in between the chameleons mm. and the fall you know i could yeah. i could put it right in there and it would sound um fresh and also of that of that time at the same time. So you, you're doing something so great, man. And I'm just, I I love the work you're doing.
2: Wow. I really, really, that's really touching. And, and I I feel like I've made a great new friend and a kindred spirit here. hundred percent. You know, I really appreciate the fact that you take the time to, um, to really have put such deep thought into the music and listen to it on such a such a great level i mean the ideal level for anybody making music i mean you're the you're the reason you know we do it or i'm doing it to to have that kind of connection to be able to to have somebody connect with it in that way is really really great
0: uh well keep going and and do stay in touch with me and and i appreciate your time bro
2: yeah and i really appreciate um i really appreciate everything that happened here tonight so thank you
0: great guy, right? That's Terry Borden of Blessin Roy. Pick up Think Like Spring uh, on Bandcamp. That's Blessin Roy, B L E S S O N R O Y. So go to blessinroy.bandcamp.com and pick up Think Like Spring and also there's two EPs that are marvelous. Go to my website, I have no marvelous EPs on my site, but I've written a couple of books and there's some uh, you know, some news that filters in about my life. If you listen to uh this podcast, you hear me talk about it anyway. But stop by for a visit. It'd be nice to have you. Alexgreenonline.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Embers Editor. You can follow me on Instagram at Embers Podcast. You can also email me, editor, at stereo Visit Bombshell Radio Online at bombshellradio.com. Find out what makes us tick. And uh I think is that all the business stuff? Oh, no. There's more. There's always more. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. If there is a podcast platform, we're on it. So uh, subscribe, leave us a rating, tell a friend. It always means the world to us when you spread the word about our podcast. All right, we're going to close the show with an exclusive. This is a really cool remix of Should Have Known Better by Bless and Roy. Enjoy it. And I'll see you next time. Thank you, as always, for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast only right here on Bombshell Radio. Up
1: at the lake again, searching for her smile. Although I knew her well, seems it had been a while. Back at the lake again. seem to break in high